am about to ruin your day, so listen to me carefully. If you don't want to watch this show, you don't want to listen, this is a spoiler alert. Juicy fruit, do you know what juicy fruit tastes like? The flavor of juicy fruit is rotten bananas. Think about that. As far as all the other information we have today, <laughs> why should you listen? We're all a bunch of Fruit Loops. My name is Jerry Adams, and you are listening to Midnight Radio. Let me tell you first of all, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being patient. The quickest way to get updates on our broadcast schedule is to look at our community page on YouTube. That's Midnight Radio on YouTube. We're there waiting on you. Our phone number is 325-261-0892. Program that in your phone. That way you can call us and join in the conversation. Speaking about joining in the conversation, if you subscribe and hit that notification bell, and hit all notifications, that is like a radio. That is our way to broadcast information we have to you about our schedule. Uh, you get everything if you do that. So please do that. Thank you. Here's what we have going on today. We're going to take a deep dive on the information that the Moscow PD has given us. And the reason why is because I did, and I've come up with some interesting well that speculations and also i got an email a very important email i'm going to go over with you guys today and also have some information that we got from the parents of cali goncalvez and we have we have a lot more than that of uh some other crimes that have happened within the past 48 hours or so You've come to the right place. I'm going to start with this first one, and this sets us up for everything we're about to go over. Again, I appreciate you guys. You guys are what make this show happen. We have an interview, a perspective interview. It may or may not happen. Uh, I knew that from the beginning, not my choice, but we have somebody with a one degree of separation from Joe Vidolt. Am I saying that correctly? And I asked you guys to put your questions in for him in the community page. Go After this show, I'm going to shut that down, and we're going to take those questions and give them to her. Uh, what we're trying to do for that interview is make it to where she's on the line with me, uh, Joe's on the line, and uh, we can do a joint interview. We're going to do that and uh, get that to you as soon as we can. I'll keep you guys updated, but as far as the questions goes, that's going to be shut down. Uh, you guys giving us questions. I'll shut that down this morning. So here we go. This is important. This sets everything up and it answers a lot of questions. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what my conclusion is because I want you to listen to this information that I'm about to present to you very carefully and see if you don't come up with the same thing. The police are putting out information about searching for a car, searching for a weapon, video footage so they can establish timelines. But there's one thing they haven't asked the people. 
is who did it. They've taken 3D scans of the crime scene. They've showed pictures to the family, to a degree, of the rooms after the murders, the ones that weren't bloodied, so we know where people weren't. And there's certain information that comes out that the police would have given. For example, when somebody's stabbing somebody with deep wounds, deep wounds, it gets bloody. Down and up, down and up, blood splatters, right? So you know where the person was standing, you can stip, you can um, reconstruct that, where the body was and how tall the murderer is. They didn't ask you about any of that, did they? They didn't ask you, well, the, the guy might have been this tall or uh, have you seen this suspicious man? They haven't asked you guys anything about that. We're going to deep dive into that today. I'm telling you that maybe they know who it is. That's my wild last theory. I want to hear yours when we open up the phone lines. But follow me on this. Good evening, America, and welcome to this special edition of Cross Country in Moscow, Idaho. Tonight, we are in Gonzalez, Christy and Steve Gonzalez. Thank y'all so much for being with me. Um, You guys have been so transparent and strong for the public. Christy, you called the person that did this the boogeyman. Yeah. What did you mean by that? It's literally like what nightmares are made of. Like when you're a little kid and you think of the boogeyman, that's just how I feel. Like that's just the horrific details of everything. Them just having a good time going home and going to bed and this happening to them. Your best friend crawling into bed. Just crawling into bed. Every girl in America knows what that's like. The boogeyman doesn't, you know, meet, meet you at McDonald's. I mean, the boogeyman comes and snatches you out of your bedroom. Steve... Um, we've been talking, I've been talking to folks in the community. You said something that stuck with me. You said, until this person is caught, you can't sleep in your bed. No, I can't just lay in my bed and do nothing. That's not the way I raised my family. That's not the way I raised my girls and my son. You, you don't be a victim. You stand up for yourself and you do everything in your power to make sure people hear. I know there's a lot of people that feel like he's overstepping his boundaries with what what he's letting out to the public and how he's pushing against law enforcement, yet he still says he supports them. And uh, that's one thing we're allowed to do in this community that we're in and this broadcast is disagree with each other. We do it respectfully, and it's important because even though I disagree with you, you might be right. As long as I don't push back in a negative way and block what you have to say out, I might realize that. But I disagree. I completely support the way this man feels. I would do the the same thing he did, and if I I didn't do the same thing that he did is because he's smarter than me, and he's gone through this. So if this happens to me, you better believe me. You better believe me. I'm going to be pushing back hard, and it's going to be 24-7 broadcast everywhere. So I support this man and what he's doing. Uh, he's almost a hero to me, and I mean that. So 
We're going to continue this, and I'm going to stop it because there's key things in what he says. Here we go. Hear you. Now I'm going to, they're going to hear Kaylee. They're going to hear Maddie. They're going to hear these. these the other two as well. Yes. I, I'm careful saying anything about them because I need to be careful because I can't speak on somebody else's child. But these two girls, I'm not trying to be a glory hound. But these two girls, I'm going to do what I can do, and we're not being victims. We're going to fight. We're going to figure out how to make sure that we hold everybody, you know, accountable, and we keep eyes and attention on this and, and get this thing resolved. Steve, you have made it very clear to our audience that you are supportive of law enforcement. You support the invest. I'm a big believer in not being a victim. And, I mean, not being a victim if... if some tragedy like this strikes and not being a victim in your everyday life. For some reason they kicked me. All right. More than three weeks after his daughter in three rooms. Come on, man. Come on. More than three weeks after his daughter and three roommates were murdered in Idaho, Father Stephen Gonzalez. What is even playing here? Maybe asking why. It's been about three. That's. All right, here we go. Just the horrific details of everything, them just having a good time going home and going to bed, and this happening to them. Your best friend crawling into bed. Just crawling every, into bed. Every girl and the in America comes. knows what that's the like. The boogeyman doesn't, you know, meet, meet you at McDonald's. I mean, the boogeyman comes and snatches you out of your bedroom. Steve, um, we've been talking. I've been talking to folks in the community. You said something that stuck with me. You said... Until this person is caught, you can't sleep in your bed. No. I can't just lay in my bed and do nothing. That's not the way I raised my family. That's not the way I raised my girls and my son. You, you don't be a victim. You stand up for yourself, and you do everything in your power to make sure people hear you. And I'm gonna, they're going to hear Kaylee. They're going to hear Maddie. They're going to hear these, these... The other two as well. Yes. I'm careful saying anything about them because I need to be careful because I can't speak on somebody else's child. But these two girls, I'm not trying to be a glory hound, but these two girls, I'm going to do what I can do. And we're not being victims. We're going to fight. We're going to figure out how to make sure that we hold everybody, you know, accountable and we keep eyes and attention on this and, and get this thing resolved. Steve, you have made it very clear to our audience that you are supportive of law enforcement. You support the investigation. But recently, I've been watching and talking with you, and you're getting frustrated. What does that frustration come from, sir? They put certain people between you and the officers that are making things happen, and those people are like lawyers, and they don't want to say anything, and they don't, they don't have the guts to come up and be alpha and be like leaders and say, hey, we might say something that's wrong. We're going to take that hit. So the officers, they looked me straight in their eyes. The lead de- detective looked me in his eyes. He, I, get, I have no doubt he's working as hard as he can. But 
somebody isn't communicating. There's nothing being released. Nothing. It seems like they're, they're trying to suppress the story. They, we want to put rewards out. They're like, don't do that. Yeah, I get it. Your town doesn't want to have reward posters posted all over when you come and you do your rush. You're not going to get a lot of students if they see those things. But this community is not going to heal until this guy's pulled off the streets. It ain't going to happen. Think it through. It's not going to happen. He has to be off the streets. We all are working for the same thing. When was the last time y'all heard from the police? Thursday. Thursday, we looked at our phone records. We want to be accurate. We don't want to sell anyone out. About 3 o'clock on Thursday. And, and they did y'all get an update from the police about the investigation? There was nothing. We have no updates for there you. There was no update. They Via needed me to sign a waiver form so that they could investigate something. Some mail. That was mail-related. So we're working with them. We're not selling them out. We love our law, law support. The FBI, everybody that's here, I've, we just have no information as family, and it gets some um, tough day after day after day. I mean, every day you just wake up and think today's the day we're going to hear something, and you see these, oh, there's a break in the case, and it'll just be something stupid. The sixth you know? person in the, there's, on the lease that was never there. Stop playing games. This is serious. These are people's lives, and this is the future of this community. There's going to be 10,000, 15,000 kids that come into this community next year, or they don't. So... I'm serious. I understand a lot of people have seen the some of the things I'm showing today, but I'm showing them to you again. I'm doing it for a reason because this leads up to something that came in this morning and last night. So that I know you haven't seen. But these things link, and I wanted to let you guys know about this. I had the opportunity to speak to some of my sources, and I've been told that there were differences in the way that the victims were killed. Some were more severe than the other. And this week we heard the tar target attack walk back and then reverse her back. One of the things that they're releasing now is how he said they were hit with a knife. The attack. Um, they... How they were attacked by the knife. They didn't play this part of the interview They told us they can't tell who. We asked specifically. And they said, we'll try to get that information to you. And they got back to us a day or so later and they said we're sorry we can't give you that information but then a day later we saw in the news that it was not targeted or they think the whole house was targeted but i'll cut to the chase yeah their means of death don't match maddie's they don't and kaylee's cause of death it does yeah. not match based on the autopsy report they don't match yeah, yeah. Would, would indicate that one of them he doesn't have to go up the target. steps Let's stop playing games, guys. I need somebody to step. He does get mad, but his daughter was murdered, so I understand. Uh, do I think that he is single-handedly going to run this case? I don't know. Look at all the cases that aren't solved. The two murders, one that happened in Washington and the other one that happened in Oregon that were also by knife, uh... I didn't hear anybody raise a stink. Guess what? They didn't catch anybody. There's a, we're going to go to a video about a glove that was found. It was found from somebody that uh, is a, a former detective and runs a YouTube channel. And if this wasn't in the public eye, he wouldn't have done that. The cops are standing there with their asses in their hands, scratching them. They didn't find the glove. People that were interested in the case found the glove. Now, we're talking about a father whose child was taken away from him right at the beginning of the launch part of their lives. I completely understand, completely understand. Do I think he's going to run the case? 
Not necessarily. Do I know he's not going to run the case? No, I don't know that. Uh, the police should have enough evidence with the blood, with the glove, with the DNA they more than likely have, and I think they know the suspect. I don't think this man could run the case. Is he helping it? I don't know. Is he keeping it from uh, going forward? I'm not sure. I don't think he's running it. I would be, be doing somebody the same to be thing. a leader. Don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. He doesn't have to go up those steps. They're mad. Their their points of That's a good damage point. don't match. I'm just gonna say it, it wasn't leaked. To- Somebody said uh, they smell a lawsuit coming from the other families toward. Kaylee's dad, uh, maybe that's a possibility, but I got some information about the lawyer that this man has retained or that's been retained for him. I got a little bit of information from that coming up after this. To me, I earned that. I paid for that funeral. I paid for that. It's my right. You ain't taking that from me. Calm down. If you don't want to say nothing, that's your bet. But don't say I'm leaking anything. I paid that bill. Sent my daughter to college to get an education. She came back in the box, and I can speak on that. I was also told from sources that are closer to an investigation because there was a lot of roommates in there. And this was horrific for those roommates that were there as well. I know it's right here. It looks like the mother's about to cry, but also the man interviewing the parents. Looks like he's about to cry, too. Witnesses tell me that it may have well been preserved because the phone was passed around between one of the fraternity members and the girls. One of them, unfortunately, witnessed the death, the body there. Can you confirm that? Uh, We cannot, actually. We know nothing about that whole phone call we've asked. And, and it's, I mean, I know that a lot of people want to know, but that's just not our agenda. We just are like, somebody called 911. Somebody was reported unconscious. We don't really know. I mean, we've heard so many different things. Again, I'm playing this interview again. I know you guys have seen it. There's a reason I'm doing it. And I know you guys realize that because you're watching it. Um, um, great. I hate you, Fox News. I hate you. I hate you. Come on, man. It's the last time I'm going to stop it because... More than three weeks after his daughter and three roommates were murdered in Idaho, Father Stephen Gonsalves. Oh. That's why we watch it so much, because it keeps playing over and over. We need to get the part about his lawyer, and I'm going to show you guys what I know about that. Being released. It seems like the, the... So... We're working with them. We're not self-killed. Some were more severe than the other. And this week, we heard the tar- target attack walk back and then reverse it back to it being a target. Got back to us a day or so later, and they said, we're sorry, we can't give you that information. But then a day later, we saw in the news that it was not targeted. Or they think the whole house was targeted. But... I'll cut to the chase. Yeah. Their means of death don't match. Maddie's... They don't. And Kaylee's cause of death. I'm just going to say it. It wasn't leaked to me. I earned that. I paid for that funeral. I paid for that. To college to get an education. She came back in the box, and I can speak on that. I was also told from sources that are closer to an investigation because there was a lot of roommates in there. 
And this was horrific for those roommates. Okay, I got some information about the roommates coming up too, which is important. It rules out a lot. Again, this is a deep dive today. Witnesses tell me that it may have well been preserved because the phone was passed around between one of the fraternity members and the girls. One of them unfortunately witnessed the death, the body there. Can you confirm that? Oh, we cannot actually. We know nothing about that whole phone call we've asked. And, and it's, I mean, I know that a lot of people want to know, but that's just not our agenda. We just are like, somebody called 911, somebody was reported unconscious. We don't really know. I mean, we've heard so many different things, and nothing has been clear. We know who's, or, I know who's unconscious. I'm going to tell you guys that today. And, and I mean, I don't know if I personally have asked yeah. anything about that. I don't know if you've asked that, but, um, we know that this is getting three weeks in and it's starting to get, we don't want it to go cold. Um, we're, we're reaching out. I've reached out to uh, friends down in California today that have uh, connections that we're hoping to get, raise some money to get a reward, to get a private investigator. Um, third party. Third party. Why, why go the private route? Do y'all worry that at the end of this week, that this case may be cold. Okay. So they were contacted by a third party to pay for the lawyer. Um, I believe that is someone that is trying to get the rights to the story. So it's either a movie producer or a book publisher. I will let you guys know about that. I am 90% sure that's the case. That happens a lot. But if, but if you don't have the information, people do know. More than likely it's a movie. If they don't, then... You know, we, the community, this is a community that is IT-based. These guys live a digital footprint like we've never. All of us older people, we don't know how much that digital footprint could be helpful. So that's what we ask for. I hope like a DNA, uh, a family lineage, if they could come out here and just start taking. This town is not that big. We could figure out this, and it might not be him. It might be a family member. We have family all going to the school together. You know, there's cousins, there's aunts, there's uncles. We could yeah. find this guy Those, just uh, with volunteers. Lineage companies were, are, yeah, yeah. They don't but need anybody to find who did it. They know. Christy, Steve, uh, we're going to stay on this case. Thank you. We're Thank not going you. anywhere. Thank you. You guys have been candid with us. I'm going to stop it right here. We're going to continue going over this case. Today, it's a deep dive. I welcome you guys to call in and tell me, what you have found, what actual things you've found in the evidence has actually been presented in this deep dive. Of course, I'm always open to wild-ass speculations, wild-ass theories, tame-ass theories, and even a couple extreme wild-ass scenarios like I gave you guys yesterday. Now, we're going to go over what was released from the Moscow Police Department yesterday and what they've been doing, what, what is actually there. All right. I saw somebody say in the chat room, and again, everybody's free to disagree. I don't have a problem with that. I welcome disagreement. If you don't welcome disagreement and you're always right, you go around living your life like a dumbass, and you won't even believe me when I tell you that juicy fruit tastes like rotten bananas. And really, that's beyond, beyond being a fact. Okay, so this is a press release from the Moscow Homicide Department. Okay, this came out on the 12th. Today's the 13th, so this is fresh. I'm not going to read you everything it says because it's a form letter and it says the same thing every time. 
And uh, I am looking to see if, hey, if they call it Joseph Morris. Well, I've heard has gone into hiding over um, his fro- his forgery, and I've heard that he took a lot of his stuff off YouTube. And I don't know if that's the case or not. But diving into this press release, and uh, and for me, uh, I want you guys to see it from this point of view, just right now when I present these things to you. Let's say that everything the police are saying, other than suspects whether or not they have a suspect let's assume that everything else they're saying is true all right let's assume that when we go over what they say they have and they don't have okay now it goes over what they have previously reported they're looking for Hyundai Elantra investigators would like to thank the community and public for Recent information provided about the vehicle and the spike in tips. The FBI is prioritizing and vetting those tips for use in the investigation. The public is asked to continue to use the tip line to report any information about this vehicle. Detectives remain interested in speaking with the occupants of a white 2011-2013 Hyundai Elantra with an unknown license plate. Okay, again, for those of you that might just be tuning in, I'm reading from the Moscow Police Department homicide update from 12-12-22. I'm about to read you an email I received that's going to reference the Elantra and the importance of it in the investigation. Detectives remain interested in speaking with the occupants of the white 2011-2013 Hyundai Elantra with an unknown license plate. Tips and leads have led investigators to look for additional information about this vehicle being in the immediate area of the King Road residence during the early morning hours of November 13th. Investigators believe the occupants of this vehicle may have critical information to share regarding this case. If you know of or own a vehicle matching this description or know anyone who may have been driving this vehicle in the days preceding or the day of the murder, please forward that information to the tip line. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't mean you unless you live in Moscow, Idaho. If you live in Dubuque, Nebraska or something, it's not going to. I think Dubuque's in Minnesota, right? If you have a Hyundai Elantra, don't worry about it. It shows the photos of it. I guess I could show you. Maybe not. Regardless. Okay, so we have the investigation timeline. Am I going to go over that? Yes, I am. Okay, so this is important what they say about the investigated in the investigation timeline. This tells you what they have and what they don't have, what they believe and what they don't believe. Again, all they just asked you for was the Hyundai Elantra. Not that they even thought that it was a potential suspect or anything like that. But I believe what they're trying to do is get rid of alibis. They're trying to find somebody who saw to verification. One thing the police department released a day or two ago is that they're not just looking uh, to put charges on somebody for this murder. They're looking to convict somebody. And I believe they could all already file. They're telling you right in plain sight. 
I believe they have enough for charges right now because they know who it is. But they need to button down evidence more than circumstantial because they can't find the weapon. So, and they can't find bloody clothing or anything like that, but I believe they know who the suspect is. Now, whether it's anybody that's already involved in this that they say they've cleared, I'm not sure. But we might be able to find that out because I do have some information. So on the evening of November 12th, Kaylee Goncalves Goncalves and Madison Mogan were at the local bar called Corner Club at 22 North Main Street in downtown Moscow between 10 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. on November 13th at approximately 1.40 a.m. Kaylee and Madison were seen on video at a local food vendor called The Grub Truck at 318 South Main Street and used a private party for a ride home from downtown to arrive at their 1122 King Road residence around 1.56 a.m. Investigators have determined that Ethan Chapin and Zana Kernoodle were seen at the Sigma House on the University of Idaho campus at 732 Nez Perez Drive at approximately 1.45 a.m. Ethan and Zana are believed to have returned to the residence at 1122 King Road. It was previously reported that Ethan resided at the home. However, it has been determined that he was only visiting. Detectives believe that on November 12th, the two surviving roommates, okay, pay attention to this part, Detectives believe that on November 12th, the two surviving roommates had also been out in the Moscow community separately, but returned home by 1 a.m. on November 13th. The two did not wake up until later that morning. On November 13th, the surviving roommates summoned friends to the residence because they believed one of the second floor victims had passed out and was not waking up. What does that tell you? Again, I'll read it one more time, and I'll tell you what theory, what wild-ass theory this eliminates. On November 13th, the surviving roommate summoned friends to the residence because they believed one of the second-floor victims had passed out and was not waking up. This means that the story about the roommate seeing the body in the living room of, of Ethan, that's bullshit, okay? So someone that... Uh, that 9-11, that 9 behind the scenes of what a third party supposedly saw when they were there, that means, and this is the police letting this out, and they did, it means that that is bullshit. That was fake. That's a forgery. If this is true, which is let out by the Moscow Homicide Department and is admissible in court, then the other one's bullshit. And there's more in here, too. And also, it helps rule out the roommates. They've ruled out the roommates, they say. Some people are still suspicious, but if you want to believe what they're putting out, what the police department is putting out, which has legal implications official in an official capacity, then, and you want to look into this case, it helps you not to chase your tail and chase shadows and believe them on that. And again, they never said they didn't have a suspect. The police didn't say that. They just said who they've. And then when they're clearing people, we're going to look at the wording, all right, because they're very careful of what they said on that. So they gave themselves room to wiggle on that. 
So on November 13th, the surviving roommate summoned friends to the residence because they believed one of the second floor victims had passed out and was not waking up. 11.58 a.m., a 911 call requested aid for an unconscious person. The call was made from one of the surviving roommates' cell phones inside the residence. Multiple people talked with 911 dispatcher before Moscow police arrived at the location. Officers entered the residence and found two victims on the second floor and two victims on the third floor. All right. Officers entered the residence and found two victims on the second floor and three victims. Wait, two victims on the second floor and two victims on the third floor. Again, that's four people. And it says where they were at. It doesn't say where just on the floor they were at. Autopsies were conducted in November 17th. Uh, the Leta County Coroner confirmed the identity of the four murdered individuals and their cause and manner of death as homicide by stabbing. Now, Kaylee's father told Fox News in an interview recently that this wasn't just a stabbing. This was done by a sadistic person. They were deep gouges, like a stabbing and a twist, you know, a gouge. So that tells me that he saw the body, pictures of the body. And when there's a stab wound and there's no blood in the body anymore, it's post-mortem that you're seeing, that you're viewing the body. After the life has gone out of it and the blood has gone out, it does look like a gouge. So a stab and a gouge. The coroner stated the four victims were likely asleep. And some had defensive wounds, and each was stabbed multiple times. There was no sign of sexual assault, S.A. Detectives continued investigating what occurred from approximately 9 p.m. on November 12th to 1.45 a.m. on November 13th, when Ethan and Zana were believed to be at the Sigma Chai house on the University of Idaho campus. Any... Interactions, contacts, direction, and method of travel or anything abnormal could add context to what occurred. All right, now this is what they're asking for. It's important to know what they're asking for and what they're not. Detectives are seeking all outside surveillance video taken from 3 a.m. to 6 on Sunday, November 13th from businesses and residences within the geographical area listed below. Detectives request all available videos whether there appears to be motion and context or not. They need West Taylor Avenue, North Boundary, South Palouse River Drive, South Boundary, Highway 95 South to the 2700 block of Highway 95, East Boundary, Arboretum and Botanical Gardens, West Boundary. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I have the murder map. I'm going to pin all these locations so we can need what we can see what areas they're trying to find, all right? Detectives are also seeking additional tips and surveillance videos of any unusual behavior on the night of November 12th and the early hours of November 13th Why Kaylee and Madison were in downtown Moscow and when Ethan and Zana were at the frat house. Anyone who observed unusual behavior near these areas or has video surveillance is asked to submit their tips. Now, it's not saying they don't know who it's coming from, so they narrowed it down to where, but they want to know if anyone else noticed. Investigators have looked extensively into information received about Kaylee having a stalker. All right. 
They have pursued hundreds of pieces of information related to this topic, but have not verified or identified a stalker. Anyone with information about a, pinch, a potential stalker or unusual instances is asked to contact the tip line. And again, this came out yesterday, so this is up to date. So they do not have any information of a stalker, regardless of what you heard. So let's take all this to be true. All right. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to read who they say is not involved. And this is important because not only do they say who's not involved, but they let you know why. They let you know why. And they, they're very careful in the way they say it. And they're, it's almost like they don't want to say they're completely not involved. For some of them, not all of them. Again, this goes in with the email I'm going to read to you after this. At this time, investigations do not believe the following are involved in this crime. Two surviving roommates. And they don't believe they're involved at, in this crime uh, at this time. In the investigation is what they said in this, at this time. Mail in the grub truck surveillance video. Jackass. Private party driver who took Kaylee and Madison home. On November 13th, the male Kylie and Madison called numerous times during the early morning hours of November 13th. And that would be the easiest to probably, and we're talking about Jack D, right? That would be the, is that Jack D, her brother? See, you know Jack's one day and then you lose a Jack and then there's Jack S and, but that's Kaylee's boyfriend and that would be the easiest, the easiest to verify, to rule out. Any individual at the residence when 911 was called, the individual on the lease who moved out of the residence before the school year state, uh, started and was not present at the time of the incident. All right. Now, this is a big deal right here. This is information related to the investigation. Additional, currently, no suspects are in custody and no weapon has been located. Didn't say currently there's no suspects. They, I'm telling you they have a suspect. On the night of the incident, officers located a dog at the residence. The dog is fine and unharmed. It was turned over to a private party. And that was actually one of the persons they cleared, which would have been easy because of his cell activity. Local businesses and other things. Local businesses were contacted to determine if a fixed blade knife had been recently purchased. As far as we know, they haven't found a weapon yet. I'm telling you this, as soon as they find the weapon, which is what they need, they're going to be able, we're going to hear about us more than a, hear about a suspect. The next thing you're going to hear from the police department is that someone's being taken into custody. I'm going to tell you that. Detective seized the contents of three dumpsters on King Road to locate possible evidence. Now, the governor directed $1 million in state emergency funds for the ongoing investigation. Why do you think he's done that? Why do you think the governor gave a $1 million? For those of you that don't think the father is saying something is important, why do you think the governor gave $1 million for the ongoing investigation? For those of you that think that people shouldn't speculate and talk about this on the internet. Why do you think the governor gave an extra $1 million? Cause there's two people killed before by a stabbing wound the same way. And, and the 13th of different months in Washington and Oregon 
and there was no money for their, their ongoing investigation. We don't know anything about it. They haven't found anybody. It's gone cold. These things are important. We're also about to go into the glove that was found. For those of you that don't know, but we're going to go into that after the email I'm about to read you. And then they go on, and they talk about how, how many tips they've had. I know some of those have come from you. I don't know how many of you that listen are actually from Moscow, Idaho, and actually saw or maybe heard something. If you have, you can call the line when we open up. When we open it up, I'd like to hear from you. More than uh, 2,770 calls to the tip line. Over 2,645 emails. Over 1,084 digital media submissions. 113 pieces of physical evidence collected and taken from the scene. I wonder if that includes the dumpsters. Approximately forty, f- approximately 4,000 crime scene photos taken, multiple three-dimensional scans of the residence. Okay, I'm going to see if there's anything else. Okay. Okay. They say there's been an extensive media interest regarding an incident at Taylor's Avenue and Banfield on November 13th at 3.01 a.m., the incident was an alcohol offense was addressed by the on-scene officer. The call is not related to the murder investigations. So it was a rumor that the police were called because of screams, and instead of going to the house, they went to the field. It's not. The information I had that they stake out that field on these game nights to find people drinking, uh, to get underage kids We have not changed our belief that the murders were a target attack. However, they don't know if the people were targeted or the house were targeted. Which house targeted means they don't know if somebody was going specifically for one of the girls or everybody in the house. They just, they're not just saying that the, the address. There have been multiple, there have been media questions regarding an argument about a group of people. We don't care about that. Now, this is important. There have been media questions regarding a February 22nd death on Baker Street. The Laytaw County Coroner's Office confirmed the death was due to an overdose. This is uh, the suicide. People were saying that that was Maddie Mogan's ex-roommate, and perhaps she bullied her, and that's the reason someone had motive to go to that house. Now, this statement doesn't rule that out. We're going to get into that. There have been online reports of a red Mustang. We don't care about that. The identity, the identity of the 911 caller has not been released. Okay, there have been a numerous media inquiries about the 1999 double stabbing in Pullman and uh, the one in Oregon. And there's similarities, but they're saying that they don't have any evidence to believe at this time that they're related. Again, that's not ruling it out. It's saying they don't have the evidence at this time. If they find that weapon, and it's the same weapon, then they'll have evidence. But they didn't completely completely rule that out. But I will say this. You don't see anybody talking about that one anymore, do you? You don't see a million dollars from the governors going to that, do you? Why? Because of publicity. All right. Let me go ahead and go to my email I received. Again, if you guys want to contact me because you have some information, 
Thank you, Jenna. Thank you very much. Those of you who are supporting us, thank you, Campbelltown. Appreciate it so much. You guys keep keep it going, I'm telling you. You guys really do. So I'm going to go into this email now. Now, if you guys have any wild-ass theories, wild-ass speculations, tame-ass theories, extreme uh, wild-ass speculations, you can send it to my email. It's midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. When we're not broadcasting live and have the phone line open, it's closed, but you can send a voicemail up to three minutes. The phone number is... Phone number is on the screen right now if you're watching this. If you're listening, it's 325-261-0892. That is 325-261-0892. This shows the conversation with you. This is your show. You can also email me and call me and know what you would like to talk about. And we'll talk about it. So if you're wondering why I go over the things I do, it's because of you. These are the things you want to talk about. These are the things I get multiple emails on. These are the things I get emails from professionals about. So let's go over this email right now. I want to make sure that I don't release this person's identity. So I'm just going to read it to you and not show you. This is a long one, but please give it a read and do something with it. If you see merit, for what it's worth, I'm an attorney in Alabama who is vicariously devastated by these folks and who finds it hard to just absorb the information. I said that only for the purpose of conveying that I'm hopefully not some nut job. Don't worry, they think we're all Fruit Loops. And to convince myself that what follows is well-reasoned. One, the Goncalves family, mom and sister, interview on the timeline being off, they are asked directly whether they saw video from the Uber driver of the Uber driver dropping Kaylee and Maddie off at home at approximately 1.56 a.m. It is among the items, along with phone records and grub truck videos, that they explicitly state they cooperated their own timeline with. Two, the white Hyundai has been expressly stated by law enforcement not to be depicted in the body cam footage by the Banfield at approximately 3.01 a.m. Three, we know there was activity on the girls' phones as late as 2.56 a.m., It's fair to assume they didn't fall asleep in the five minutes between then and the body cam footage anyways. Four, law enforcement has been bizarrely willing to near completely clear a number of people close to Kaylee, many of which appear to be on the surface worth making serious inquiry into. Five, we're led to believe that the law enforcement knows surprisingly little about Zana and Ethan's whereabouts from around 9-ish p.m. until 1.45 a.m. 
Law enforcement's initial timeline stated all four victims were home by 1.45 a.m., and yet Kaylee's sister's timeline appears to be more accurate and publicly corroborated. Law enforcement was slow to modify the timeline in spite of the public discrepancy. Why? Perhaps because they knew Ethan and Xana and Zana were there before Kaylee and Maddie because of something caught on the Uber driver's video but couldn't reveal how. Therefore, stayed mum on the timeline. Perhaps it's a different and inconsistent timestamp on the Uber driver. Video the authorities were using initially. Point being, this Uber driver video is almost certainly, almost certainly at the crux of the case right now. Seven. The family has actually seen this video and therefore does actually know considerably more than we do and considerably more than they let on. This is the piece of information Stephen Goncalves is likely referring to in terms of almost demanding that someone be an alpha and let it out. He stopped talking. It came out. Quid pro quo. It's really interesting in hindsight to also see Kaylee's mom really emphasize the idea that the killer is running and hiding. Why would she think this person would be scared on the run? or experiencing remorse. It only makes sense if she, if she's of the mind that it's a contemporary of one of the victims. What is deducible from that based on what is publicly known? One, the white Honda is almost certainly captured in the Uber driver video. Law enforcement was very likely to be able to quickly determine that they couldn't eliminate the vehicle by association with anyone having reason to be in the area. Two, the white Hyundai was therefore very likely to be the outside, to be outside the King Road property at 145 through 156 a.m. or earlier. This would be the best non-forensic way to clear jackass quickly, providing law enforcement somehow knew the white car is associated with the homicides directly and isn't his. Three, if the phone call times are accurate and made by the phone owners, as I have no doubt they were, and the white Hyundai is somehow involved, it almost certainly sat outside the King Road property or remained in the area for some substantial period of time, likely a couple of hours or more. Four, law enforcement is playing dumb or guarded about Ethan and Zana because they're trying to figure out who they left the fraternity with to meet up with were followed home by, randomly crossed crossed paths with, brought back to the house, etc. Five. All right, this is five. And this is the craziest implication. The craziest implication is that the killer or killers were at the location for a significant period of time prior to killing Kaylee and Maddie. Places greater weight on the possibility that the killers were already inside the home when Kaylee and Maddie returned. It increases the potential that the two pairs weren't killed contemporaneously without going into unnecessary details. Pretty evident to me that Zana and Ethan were behind a locked door on the morning of the 13th. 
It increases the likelihood that these four victims, or perhaps the three women only, were all targeted, though to varying degrees. Six. Law enforcement must have believed, perhaps reasonably, that they could track the vehicle down without help from the public. But why not ask for help from the public? That's rhetorical. Sort of. But Occam's razor would say it's because law enforcement was afraid that the occupant would make a run for it. That reinforces a sentiment from the family. They've now failed to locate it and have no choice but to ask for assistance from the public. And now we're hearing that agents are at the Canadian border watching out for white Hyundais. Seven, the final inference is there is a profile and there may well be a person of interest, maybe a silhouette, but no name known at this time, but they don't have whereabouts on the person or have evidence sufficient to establish probable cause. So they continue to downplay what they know on the car and or the person. Eight. The existence of the Uber driver video, which Eva Stevenson and Christy Goncalves have said they've seen for themselves. It never gets mentioned. We have the grub truck video. Why not the Uber driver video? That's fully rhetorical, by the way. It's the one nearly forgotten piece of information that explains law enforcement's activity up to this point. And then it concludes, I love to see or hear what fits and what doesn't. Thanks. You guys are all welcome to comment on these theories. How you think all this locks in? To me, it's like a sweater that was loose and starting to get in tighter. I believe that they know who... They know who they think is a strong suspect. I believe they have a person of interest. I believe they're not talking to us. I have some more information I'm going with you, and I'm going to continue to drive home the point in these continued broadcasts, continuing coverage of the Idaho 4 tragedy that you guys are important, an important part of this. Now, it's not that you have evidence, but you have something more important because you directly are linked to the reason the governor gave a million dollars to solve this because this is in the public eye. It is not going away. You're keeping it in the public eye. The father's keeping it in the public eye. You are the public eye. And there's a retired private eye that found a glove outside the home. He has a YouTube channel and a large following so he went out there. He found the glove while the police were standing around with their ass in their hands. He went and did something like you guys do something. And they want to talk about you. Well, they can do that all they want. Everything I've read to you, I'll even include a PDF of the email with his, his, um, his name redacted, of course. So you guys can have this. A link will be in the description below this video. And all these videos will be available too. Again, we really appreciate you guys here. Hold on with me. I've got I've got more information for you. So do you know this is what the how police many people say. have been revisited and reinterviewed? It's all part of the investigative process. Girl Banfield. So I can't get a number. 
because we are ongoing in this process and, and doing it as leads come in and as new information comes in, you know, that number is not something we're concluding at this time. Understand. Have you had a chance to do an exhaustive interview with the person who drove Kaylee and Maddie home from the food truck? Um, originally, it was an Uber driver. Then it was a, a private party. And then I think it's a, a sorority ride program. But there was a driver presumably who heard a lot of things that were being said in the seats that were occupied by, by Kaylee and Maddie may have heard a, a phone conversation, but have, the, have you done an exhaustive interview with that driver to find out what was said? And if so, was it valuable? Rest assured. I totally expect her to say, we know we're not telling you next question. We're interviewing anyone in any way that could know what happened that night, provide us information to help with this case. Uh, no, that's just part of the ongoing efforts we're making. And again, we really, we understand these questions, wanting to have answers, how hard it is for the families not to have them. But again, when that's we talk about Joe. these specifics, this information, we have to keep it safe. We have to make sure we're using the information for the integrity of the case to make an arrest and ultimately go to trial and get. I, th I feel like I need to um, translate that. We're not telling you jack crap. Justice. Sure. Understand. One of the former tenants in the home showed us a picture and also. Which I must say, don't get me wrong. I think some people confuse some of the things I'm saying here and I can understand that. I don't think the police. I understand where the police are coming from not releasing information right now. I'm just telling you why I think they're not doing that. And there's some things perhaps, and I do not know. Stephen Calvez does. He thinks they should release it. That's between him because he knows what some of those things are and I don't. So he's better qualified to make that judgment. Recounted that when he lived in the home as late as 2019, you know, December 2019, exactly three years ago, he recounted that each of those rooms was rented separately and thus each room had a keypad lock to enter. So it was almost like a communal living. Everybody would share the living room and the kitchen, but they effectively weren't, um, you know, known to each other prior to, to perhaps renting the, the house. One of the pictures that we saw in the social media showed the room across from the kitchen did not appear to have that keypad lock. Do you know how many of those bedrooms had individual locks? Of course, we've been hearing all about speculation and questions about locks and so many other things about this case. And, and really the best service we can provide to the public and to this investigation is really to remind people that all the information we have that is appropriate for a release. We have done that on the website and our official Facebook page. So we really ask you to go back. So this is really, you know, not even worth listening to, is it? Let me look again and see why we're even looking at this. So they go through, she goes through this whole inter interview saying, it's a going on investigation. I can't tell you anything. Oh, people shouldn't speculate. I'm going to tell you what that speculate, the good things have come from the speculation. I'm going to show you that right now, actually. It's your girl, Banfield, again. Banfield. It is a piece of potential evidence that everybody is talking about online. 
the glove that the police almost missed. It She's was dropped or it was thrown out outside the home where the four college students were stabbed to death in Moscow. And there is a good chance that it would still be there right now. But for a former homicide detective turned podcaster who noticed it while he was actually visiting the scene a on podcaster, which is 11 days after the murders. Chris McDonough is a veteran of the Oceanside, California Police Department, and currently he's the director with the National Cold Case Foundation. He's also co-host of the podcast, The Interview Room, and he is live with me tonight. Detective, it's so good to have you. First of all, I got a question for you guys. You guys are kind of into YouTube, so let me ask you. He has this uh, silver YouTube plaque. I think you get that if you have 100,000 subscribers. As a subscriber, how do you feel? When a YouTuber does that, they have the, the button behind them. To me, that's kind of nerdy. I'm like, that's, you know, maybe I'm humble. I don't know. Of course, I don't have one. But if I did what I show up behind me, just, something seems like wrong with that. What's your opinion? Let me know in the chat room. Again. Well, I am shaking my head as I even think I'm doing this interview with you. Take me there. T tell me what happened. You literally showed up and looked down and said, hello, gentlemen. Come over here. Have you seen this? Is that really how simple this was? Yeah, it really was, Ashley. I mean, it was my wife and I, it was Thanksgiving Day. Uh, we happened to be up here in Idaho. And I said to her, I said, hey, there's, let's just go over uh, where that, you know, situation. If I took my wife over to Idaho on Thanksgiving Day to investigate this, she would kick my wild ass speculations taking place at really the university hard. to get some tape and we walk we're walking up the street and the first thing that caught my attention to be honest with you was all of the cars still parked on the property uh and then i looked over and i saw there was an officer controlling the scene sitting in his vehicle wow and i looked to the left and i saw that what appeared to be a glove and i looked at my wife and i said is that a glove? And she goes, yeah, I think it is. And so uh, about where Brian was standing tonight, I walked over and looked over and sure enough, it was a glove. And I immediately- I'm gonna, You know what I'm going to do? I am going to, Chris, thank you for saying that. When we go back to Brian in a little bit, I'm going to actually ask him to walk me to the exact spot so that everybody who's watching right now gets the full perspective. Sometimes it's hard when you're watching through a, you know, a one-dimensional TV screen. So I'm going to do that in the meantime. Help me out with this one because you're the murder detective. <laughs> Somebody from the chat room put something real funny. It said, Midnight, I love to see the trophies that have been smashed or defaced somehow hanging behind the podcaster. So you guys would be down if I had, like, the, the YouTube trophies behind me and I deface them, smash them, like, have it, like, where it's cracked in half. That's interesting. But you're also the person who found it. What kind of glove was it? And keep the messing with me, I might do that. Of the kind of glove as pertains to a murder. Well, you know, I can't really tell what type of glove it is, if it's a male, female. Uh, and obviously the significance may be nothing, uh, but it also could be very significant. There's, there appeared to have snow on it, so... I think it's I very significant that a piece of evidence like that was left. Least, you know, before the, the earlier snowfall. Holy crap. Uh, I later learned there are photographs of that glove uh, floating online and you can clearly see it there and wow. you know i was unaware of those at the time uh, and when i told the officer I, I waved him over and i said hey you need to come take a look at this and he walked over and his first words were oh wow 
And I said, yeah, I said, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm a retired it. homicide guy. Uh, you probably want to collect that, get your evidence people out here to do that. He didn't plan and it he if took the picture was already online. And I assume that they, you know, had collected it. Uh, I videotaped him doing it just in case, at least taking the photographs. Uh, but yeah, it was it was crazy. Somebody from the chat room saying, "11 days later, outside the crime scene, anyone could have dropped it there. Meaningless evidence. That could be possible. Yet, what DNA is in it? Maybe it's the same DNA they have already in the house. First cases of my career happened, and a bloody glove was the." significant piece of evidence in O.J. Simpson's case, which is why we, we, we don't make light of something that's just maybe looks like garbage. Um, you know, certainly that's just a, a couple dozen feet from the front door. Yeah, I mean, the significance of it, you know, is unknown at this point. You know, obviously, if it is involved, then it could be. So what do you guys think about Banfield, who goes on the air all the time talking about speculators and the rumor mill and how horrible it is? And she interviewed Jeremy, the neighbor across the street, who is, uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean to him. I don't want to say anything mean. I don't want to misinterpret myself or misrepresent myself either. But he was talking about how he was being bullied and how this has affected him and how he had to go on Reddit and uh, claim his innocence. And she was talking about how horrible that was, and yet she's straight asking him where he was, what his alibi was, and if he did it or not. So then she's talking about how great this man, it seems like, this podcaster she calls him. She calls him a podcaster, not YouTube, because she doesn't want to do free advertisement for YouTube. That's what it is. It's a producer thing. And maybe he takes his his uh, YouTube and puts it on as a podcast, too. Whatever the case, what do you guys feel like? Should you all shut the hell up and not discuss this? If you guys didn't care, I promise you he wouldn't have took his wife on an SUV on Thanksgiving and found a glove. So do positive things happen? Do positive things more positive than negative come out of this? Yes. I asked you the question if how you guys felt about the uh, YouTube plaques that YouTube sends you being behind on the wall, you know, and, and when I ask you these questions, a lot of the time, most of the time when I ask you questions like this, I don't have an opinion and you guys help me uh, see the perspectives from different points of view. I like to have a, a full rounded opinion on things and I think I came up with one just as we were going through this as far as the YouTube plaques go, and then we're going to move on to the what we have next. I don't need a YouTube plaque as a trophy. Uh, for me, you guys are a trophy. Uh, you, you guys are the reason I'm here talking with you, having a conversation with you. One phone call, if I only get one phone call or an email, you know, I get a bunch of emails and a bunch of phone calls sometimes, but that is enough for me. I'm here for the conversation with you, not to show how great I am. Just a thought, that's how I feel about it. Moving right along. I got some more stories about some crimes going on in the USA, and we're going to go over that. But in the meantime, I want to go ahead and open up that phone line. I got a new voicemail right now as we were talking. Uh, let me play the voicemails first. I'm going to open up the phone lines. We're going to talk about this together, and then we're going to go into the rest of the news stories that are current going around the USA right now. I know some of you guys are having some really wild winter weather. 
All right, let me do this. Hey, Midnight, love the show. Um, just wondering, uh, that second floor window to the right rear of the house, I think that could be a possible entry point. A lot of people talking about that patio door. Uh, I think that right vacant window to the bedroom could have possibly been an entry point. I don't think enough attention is being paid to that. Thanks very much. I saw a video by Bullhorn Betty, and it was in the back of the house. She went there at night, and they had to have all the lights. They didn't change anything from the time the students were there, and it's the same time of year. Snow's on the ground. It gets dark early in Idaho, I hear. And there's only one section of the house that wasn't lit up like a Christmas tree. And this section of the house was right in the back on the back porch, uh, you know, right off the fire pit. And they had a, a string of lights out there that made it really bright, really bright out there. But there was this one patch right by a window with the screen missing that had a cinder block upended right by a window. She thought that perhaps that's the entry point. I think that maybe she's right. Again, these are all wild-ass speculations. So I'm opening the phone lines right now. If you'd like to call in, 325-261-0892. Okay, let me try something real quick. I really still have time to do this. I want to take the phone ring off of this, but I didn't have time to do it yet. That's all right. If you guys don't mind, I don't mind. I'll get to it right after the show. Let me go into our story of what's going on right now. I've got some horrific stories that are going on in the USA. I'd like to say this. This country, and not only this country, but the world is get, getting significant significantly more evil day by day the type of crimes the crimes against women the women that commit the crimes there's more women committing unlifings than they ever have in the history of recorded history actually i have two articles that might be significant for you i'm going to put them in the show notes below two articles that i wrote one is called mothers who murder And one is about females that commit R. And and I'm not talking about school teachers. Because the numbers are climbing, I wanted to make people aware. It's not because I'm anti-women. It's because it's a lot worse with everybody, but it's getting really bad with women too. Um, Let me give you an example. I think the guy that committed this crime is a coward. I think it was a man. He did it at night. Um... He took the upper hand. He took this element of surprise and just randomly slaughtered people. But these stories about these women that have committed these crimes are a lot scarier and a lot darker. I'm going to tell you why right now. You take this man. A lot of times it's some kind of sexual reason why he committed a crime. But you take these women. And it takes something extra. This... Hello, Midnight Caller. This is Jerry. Hi. Um, I was just having a theory. Um, 
about the uh, college student murders, um, I was thinking maybe the person got in while everybody was out. Um, I think it was like from 9 or 10 at night that everybody was gone. That might have been the opportunity for the person to actually get in, check out all of the rooms. Uh, Maybe it wasn't even somebody that they knew. And that was just really the time that they had the opportunity to check out, you know, all the rooms out and possibly plan their escape, which to me would mean, well, possibly a serial killer. I think that's a, a good possibility, and I'll tell you why. If what Bullhorn Betty thinks is correct, and somebody entered the back way, and they entered through that window in the one dark spot, and they did that and they got in there and the place was empty, you're right, they would have had plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, something that's kind of been on my brain for uh, quite some time. And I actually called into your show, I think, like a week ago. And I was going, you know, totally fixated on the... Um, food truck guy and uh anyway so that's done (laughs) that's done in my brain but uh i I don't really want to uh be one of those people that just zones in on one person you know it's that's that's not my my place to do but anyways yeah so that's kind of something that i've been thinking about for quite some time and um but yeah that's that's about it today well thank you for calling me i appreciate the call thank Thank you for calling. I'll take those the sound notifications off later. So, and it's a good point, but again, I think it's somebody, I think the police know who it is. So if it's a serial killer, are they going to know who that is? A faceless serial killer that they don't know yet? Is it somebody within their connection, within the group of friends, uh, somebody that's just an acquaintance outside of the group of friends, but they know who it is? And they're trying to not spook them as they gather all the information about their alibi as they devalidate it. I think that's also a real possibility, too. Matter of fact, that's the one I'm leaning towards right now. This continuing coverage we do is a way to document everything that's coming up. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of theories going around in the world. We're documenting that. We're bringing them all out. And then at the end of the day, we can see how foolish some of it was and how dead on some of the other stuff was. So... There's one thing when you have a man that's a predator that's committing these crimes and they're a coward and, I mean, if you look at Ted Bundy, for example, sleeping people in bed, this is this is a coward. But it's a lot darker and a lot scarier when a woman does something like this, when a woman commits a crime. Not all women. I'm not talking about poisoning or something like that. But for a woman to just, somebody she doesn't know, look at a house and say, yeah, I'm going to go in there and essay somebody. There's an epidemic of this. Did you guys know? And it's typically between the women, the age of the women that do it is 24 years old. It's a reoccurring thing. I found a correlation, wrote an art, article about it, midnightrad.io. I'll put a link into that in the show notes. It's happening more now than it ever has before. It's something that's blown up in the year 2020. And it's continued to raise in since 2022. I'm talking about mental illnesses. I'm talking about infocides. I'm talking about these horrible things that keep on happening. 
I got this story I'm going to go over right now. Absolutely horrible. And I think important information. This information that you get, you can keep yourself from becoming a victim. And uh, especially if you're a woman. A lot of these stories I go over are from boyfriends. The last few days have been surreal. Our family is in shock and we are going through um, a lot of grief. A family struggles to process the murder of a 27-year-old mother. Tonight, Portland police are searching for her boyfriend, 43-year-old Jose Antonio Caraballo, who they say is on the run tonight. Wolbach's body was found at Powell Butte Nature Park. K2's Eric Mock joins us live from there now. And Eric, walk us through the timeline of these events and the investigation. Yeah, last Friday, that's when they found her body somewhere here at Powell Butte Nature Park. Then today, at around 9 a.m., police said this was a homicide investigation. Then about an hour after that, they said they were looking for Molbach's boyfriend. Strong, beautiful, sassy. That's how Jen Keller describes her sister, 27-year-old Catherine Molbach. Portland police say they found Molbach dead in Powell Butte Nature Park last week. My sister has two children um, that we're trying to be really strong for and take care of, but um, the, the pain is immense and we're just in shock. The last few days have been really tough, really hard for our family. Keller drove to Portland Monday from Southern California to pick up her sister's kids. She says her sister moved to the Pacific Northwest in 2020 with her boyfriend, Jose Caraballo, to start a moving company. Portland police investigators were at that business Monday. Keller says the family first got suspicious when her mom stopped hearing from Mobach Wednesday. My mom talked to my sister all the time because they're um, actually in business together. And my sister had been acting strange and we knew that she was in an unhealthy... This is one thing they're asking for in the Moscow police are asking for they're asking for has somebody been acting suspicious um i've got some emails about people acting suspicious in that area there was one man in particular that had a knife with him he was he would take to work all the time and it freaked people out you know they didn't like it but it was allowed and then the day after the murder he showed up to work late didn't have the knife with him this has been as reported um on um reddit but again, people acting weird is always something to look at, really out of character. Healthy relationship. We just didn't know that um, that it would go this far. Police named Carter Bio as a suspect in Molbuck's death. He's wanted on charges of second-degree murder related to domestic violence. They say he's likely left the metro area and is known to have associates in Oregon, California, and Mexico. This man is dangerous. I mean, he um, is obviously not in his right mind. He's fled. My sister deserves justice. Which is why police are asking anyone with information about where he may... Guys out there, if you've ever intend on committing a crime, get all your douchey pictures off of your Facebook or whatever the hell else. Man, it's not a good look. ...to call 911 immediately. 
Now, if you're uncomfortable calling 911, you can submit a tip anonymously through Crime Stoppers. You can do that by going to crimestoppersoforegon.com, and they'll even offer a reward of up to 2500 Again, that happened in Oregon. This is one of the stabbings happened in Oregon. Is this man connected to that? I don't know. But this was a news story. Now, this is another chilling news story that has some major implications. Heart is still broke. And this is something that you guys can keep from happening to you. And this, this is something that Kaylee did. She was selling her merchandise online. Hello, Midnight Caller. Do you have a comment or question for us? Hello, Midnight Caller line. Hi. 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 I just have a, a quick thing I want to mention that um, these law enforcement uh, podcasts or YouTube channels, um, are, they operate kind of totally different than normal uh, YouTubers, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very strict. They're very, uh, you can't say anything, okay? Unless it's in their narrative and unless you're agreeing with what they have to put out, you cannot have a mind of your own. And right in the beginning of when they go on air, they let you know this. Like Chris McDonough, mm-hmm. like uh, Judy Ron, like uh, there's another one out there. They're, you know, it's just their type of nature, okay? Okay. Um, the law enforcement kind of, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you either go along with or you don't go along with it. You know, so I appreciate your channel a lot because you have the ability to uh, use your mind, okay? You're not put into some sort of mold where you're forced to believe in, uh, you know, in the too many chiefs and no Indians, okay, kind of theme. So I really like your channel because, you know, you can express yourself. You can say how you really feel about something and it's not criticized and you're not over the top and you're, you know, you shouldn't say that you're going to get a, you know, they're going to come after you and blah, 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 blah. So I want to thank you. I really love your channel. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's just, you know, you can talk (laughs) where those channels, they're right from the top, you know. You can't speculate. No, no room for speculation. Okay. So. And you know what? I want to say one more thing, okay? Yes. That I think a lot of cold cases are around because of the environment that these people have to work in, and they can't speculate because there's somebody always above calling the shots. I agree. So if you... If you had camaraderie, if you had people all together and who can, you know, speak what they think and what you think, and then we could deduce and come up with some sort of, um, you know, we can all agree on something. But there's no camaraderie in these type of environments, and that's why there are a lot of cold cases, and there's a separation between law enforcement District attorneys, 
they can't agree on anything. Like even the John Benet Ramsey case, same thing happened there. You're absolutely they were right. All, they were in disagreement. Okay, thank you. All right, Bye. thank you for your call. I appreciate it. So she she brought a good point up there, and I I don't watch other true crime shows here on YouTube. I don't do it every once in a while. I might see one clip. Uh, Ikmal recently put out put out a video where he busted Joseph's chops, but um, Joseph Morris chops for faking evidence, which is a big deal. I'm I'm kind of interested to see the fallout on that, but there's. I can I I can understand why there's reasons they don't let speculation happen and they don't take calls and they don't do any of that because they're trying to be real careful about what's said because you can say the wrong word and your video is not monetized. I don't do that. If we, I'm not going to be censored in that way and I, I let the information come out. I let people talk. Uh, if if YouTube chooses not to monetize that video, that's their business. That's why. I was asking if you guys want memberships and I have information up there. So if you guys feel like you get value from this show and you have some value to give, you guys can donate to the show if you want to. And that goes to keeping it on the air because there's costs and streaming and licenses and all that. So I do it that way so we can be free to talk. And as far as opinions go, I welcome opinions that are not mine because uh, I didn't come on here to give my opinions. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in understanding. I'm interested in understanding how you feel. I'm, interest, I'm interested in understanding how the family, the victims feel, how the community feels. I want to know that. So I'm not here with a, a golden opinion. I'm here to sell you. I want to know what, how you feel about things. I want to know, especially, and, and those of you that are in the chat room who don't agree with me, you're welcome to not agree with me. If you're, if you are a different religion or different beliefs, you're, you're more than welcome in here. Cause I want to hear it because if you're, if I'm here just talking to you through the camera and I only believe myself and I'm wrong, then guess what? That equals that e the formula for that equals dumbass. And I don't want to go around being a dumbass. You know, you think you're right, but everybody's pointing at you and laughing. It's like, he's really a dumbass. I just don't want to operate that way. So this this is a video right here I want to play for you. This is a story that just happened. Kay Kaylee Goncalves, she was selling her furniture, and she leaked. It was on a uh, Facebook Marketplace, and she leaked when she was leaving and when she was there in her address. So I'm going to play this video to help keep you guys safe in, in a recent crime that just, just happened. And this is another father that's desperately saying, don't let this happen to you. It's the worst pain ever. One year later, fighting back tears at his son's gravesite, Fernando Duran says his heart is still broken and he expects it always will be. Yeah, absolutely. Makes you not want to celebrate nothing. I mean, he's never coming back. His death is devastating. On December 3rd of last year, Fernando's 18-year-old son, Fernando Rojas Duran. Yeah, he was perfect son. Was murdered in Thornton after police say he connected with two young men online while trying to sell two designer T-shirts and a pair of jeans. Two youngsters got a hold of him through Facebook market and 
uh, met up with him down the block from his grandma's and they tried to rob him for the clothing and shot him in the neck and killed him. Tragically, there have been similar cases in Metro Denver in recent years. In 2020, an Aurora couple trying to buy a car was murdered by a man they met online. And in 2021, a man selling a gaming console was shot to death, also in Aurora, and also by a man he met online. I don't want the next parent to feel the pain that I feel. As the holiday gift-buying season fast approaches, Fernando Duran says he's hoping his son's death serves as a cautionary tale. Tomorrow's not promised. And he's urging people who buy and sell things from people they meet online to be cautious. Never meet nobody at night. Go with somebody, meet in a public place. Just be careful in what you do because you could end up, you could end up. I've come over several stories lately. The recent, more recently, two weeks ago. And this is for you pregnant women out there. All right. On Facebook, a lot of women, my wife included, when uh, we were pregnant and she was having our son, which was a miracle to us. I love him dearly that she's pregnant, here's our ultrasound, we're going to have the baby on this date. And there's a lot of back and forth on there. Okay, talk about clothing. Hey, we have some clothing, some baby clothing. Would you like it? We have some baby toys. Would you like it? Yes, I'm sure. Uh, bring it over. Well, this happened just uh, 30 minutes away from me in this little town. And the woman was contacted, hey, would you like these baby clothes? And she said yes. So another woman she'd never met before brought him over. And in this case, she'd already had the baby. The baby was maybe a week or two old. She had newborn baby clothes. She killed the mother, and she stole the baby. She was apprehended by the Texas Rangers, and the baby was safe, but the mother was dead. But that happened three years ago, two years weeks ago this happened in mexico if i'm not mistaken it was mexico the same scenario facebook which is responsible for a lot of murders it seems like contacted her saying hey we have some baby clothes do you want it in this case they murdered the mother and they stole the baby from her womb and that is about the fourth story this year that I've had to gone over, have gone over on the show about a I'm sorry, that's the third story, not the fourth. Let me correct myself, where a woman has been murdered for her unborn baby. I cannot think of any crime being worse than that. I can't. And I'm, I'm hearing it more lately. Things changed since 2020. I, I realize what happened, but I'm not understanding why it happened to this degree. Mother's boyfriend, who reported three-year-old missing, pleads guilty to her murder. This happened in Raleigh, North Carolina. A man who reported the disappearance of his then-girlfriend's three-year-old child, sparking a search across multiple counties in eastern North Carolina, pleaded guilty on Monday to the child's murder. Aldolphus Earl Crimley II pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and felony child-inflicting serious bodily injury in the November 2017 death of Mariah Woods. 
He said, I'm deeply sorry for the pain and grief I've caused. It was not my intention for this to happen. I'm so sorry to family, friends, and everyone involved. The Max, uh, the lawyer said, my client accepts full responsibility for what happened. He said he wept about her, he cared about her, and he panicked. Horrible story. Now this is maybe something more along the lines more more along the lines of the extremely bizarre. Have you guys heard about this? One million bonds set for Billings woman as in Billings, Montana, charged with satanic initiation murder. She was accused of stabbing and killing a man to death inside his home as a part of what she describes as a satanic initiation. Nina Mel Cochran, 32, appeared for arraignment in Yellowstone County District Court and pleaded not guilty to deliberate homicide. After all, she was just in an initiation. Cochran is accused of stabbing and bludgeoning to death 64-year-old Douglas Nilsson inside his Southside residence. Judge Brett Lippenweber set the high bond amount after both the prosecutor and a defense attorney said Cochran has significant mental health issues. The prosecutor also said Cochran has a prior felony drug conviction and a history of drug use. She's arrested on December 1st in Park County after a Montana Highway Patrol trooper stopped a reckless driver on Interstate 90 near Big Timber. During a subsequent interview at the Park County Jail, Cochran allegedly told an officer Nilsson was in his house dead and that she'd killed him as part of a satanic initiation that the, to, that the detective would not understand or indeed anybody else. Cochran also reportedly said she'd been born to become Lucifer and rule over the world. According to court records... Billings police searched the house on December 6th and found the victim's body inside. These stories, you know, I don't know if she was really doing a satanic murder initiation or not, but I've studied these kind of stories before, and the ones that are real, you know, the police departments have a standing rule where if they find out something really is satanic initiation which they have or a ritual and they find the crimes they don't report on it it also doesn't go out to the media because they don't want copycat crimes and they want to decipher the real between the unreal um i'm in communication with exorcists and if you guys ever need an exorcism or think you do if you go to the website midnightrad.io there's a black cross on there you click on that and that connects you with the exorcism Sism professional, free of charge. They don't charge for their services. They're out to help humanity if you think you need that service. But they don't talk about those things in the media. If you hear about it, it's most likely not satanically related. 
How many guys have you worry? How many of you guys worry about yourself? How many of you guys wonder what's wrong with me? Why do I think about the M word? These horrible crimes. Why do I think about this so much? Well, you're not the only one. This is an article that's currently on Crime Reads. And this author talks about it. He's a murder author. Um, I'm also a fiction author. I have a book coming out soon. I'm not going to tell you the title, even though it's already ready. Um, And I write about horror. And there's a reason why I write about horror. And the reason why, and I hate to relay everything back to my time in the military and PTSD, but the time I started this book, I was suffering PTSD a lot. And it was horrific. But I was able to use those emotions to convey the emotions through the action in the book. So it was a way for me to convey the emotions I was feeling. It makes makes a really good story when there's emotions in it. It had nothing to do with the interest in crime or anything like that. It was a mechanism for storytelling, really. But I'm gonna put I'm gonna link this article in the description below, and I think you guys are gonna find it interesting. And I don't want to read the whole thing for you, but it is a is a real good read. And one of the things he says, he says that mysteries and reading about M's, it says here, look, if you're smart enough and work hard enough and get a little lucky, even the thorniest problems can be solved. And this is about in books. This is about murder mysteries. For children living certain kinds of uh, childhood that is extremely comforting, alternative those mysteries with some fantasy and sci-fi, and you've got a pretty good self-care regimen to get you through adulthood. So basically what he's saying it saying is mystery, especially of the whodunit variety. They have a calming effect. Everything turns okay in the end. All right. That's in writing. That's not in real life. That is not in this case of the Idaho four, the people that were stabbed in Oregon or Washington. Life is not like a book even though some people try to control the narrative, but we won't let them do it. But what is true is that people that are interested in these kind of things, and I'm, I'm not saying committing them, but you guys, I'm talking about you guys. You guys are intelligent people, and you look at these things and you strive to find out why. You just want to understand why, and you want to understand how, and you want to make it make sense. And I think that's commendable. I really do. I thank you guys for watching. I thank you for joining me. I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm going to go ahead and turn the phone line off so I don't forget. Because when we're not live, you can still call and leave a voicemail message. Uh, You might be watching this later. And for those of you that do, I want you to know that any voicemail I get... I respond to any email I get. I respond to any text I get. You can text that line too, three two five two six one zero eight nine two. I respond to because that is why I'm here. I'm here to communicate with you guys. You guys are intelligent. I enjoy conversing with you. You guys bring a lot to the table. And ever since I've been doing this, and you guys have been here with me, I've enjoyed it every single day. 
So let's continue doing this, okay? You've been listening to or watching Midnight Radio. We're going to be back tomorrow with another show for you. I got some uh, new things I want to go over. Um, We'll let you know about the upcoming interviews we have coming right here to you on Midnight Radio and how you will have a chance to join in the conversation for those interviews. Until next time, I want to say this, all my best.